Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on America's Big Dog Radio program, The Really Real Deal, Man's World Radio. We do now have our fantastic guest who is joining us, and uh, we apologize to you all out there for the uh, time mix-up, but we have with us Stephen Mosher, and uh, as, as we listen to a little bit of James Brown, Man's World Hey, he's talking about China, folks, and uh, his latest book is The Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. And this gentleman, he's he's quite prolific. He's written quite a lot on China. He's a leading authority on China. He's president of the Population Research Institute, and uh, not only has he written uh, quite a few books, but he testifies before Congress frequently and publishes in Breitbart National Review and the Wall Street Journal. And, uh, Stephen, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Brother Craig. It's good to, good to be on your show. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, look, you really get it. And, uh, you know, talk about man's world. Uh, isn't that the way China sees it? These are not, um, you know, these are not girly men. These are serious men. Well, they're, they're, they're in fact, uh, it's such a man's world in China. That, that there are 30 million uh, more men than women because they've killed off tens of millions of women as part of the one-child policy. Right. You know, that, that was put in place back way back in 1980 when I was first in China. Mm-hmm. And I was in the operating room when men, senior Communist Party officials, were telling young pregnant women they had to get abortions because that's what the Communist Party was ordering them to do. Mm-hmm. And it was men who was taking these young, scared women into the clinics, and it was men, Red Army doctors, who were doing forced abortions on these women, some of whom were seven, eight, nine months pregnant. Now, if you're just weeks away from giving birth, uh, I, I was in the operating room when this was being done. It's really not an abortion anymore. It's infanticide because you're yes. killing a nearly full-term healthy baby. Oh, and I yeah. saw it done by men on young, scared, frightened women uh, whose husbands, by the way, were, were helpless to protect them. A couple of them, men tried to fight off the officials, but you know what happens mm-hmm. uh, if you do that? You wind up in, in a labor camp somewhere, and your wife is still uh, forcibly aborted. So that's been going on for a long time, and the result is a population in China, which is which is a lot more men than women. 30 million young men in China will never be able to get married because their brides, though the women they would have married, have been killed. Mm-hmm. Now, typically, tell the folks the one of the reasons for that. Uh, psychologically, what does it mean when you have a nation that has excess men uh, when it, oh. in, in terms of war and the willingness and ability to go to war? Oh, well, that's, that's, a, that's a really important question uh, for China and for China's neighbors because, look, uh, you're a man, I'm a man. We know that we need women to civilize us and to, and to uh and, and the responsibility of the family for us to grow broad shoulders and, and take care of our, our wives and children. And uh, men in China don't have that. So what do they do? They seek alternative families. They, they seek to form other families. Well, one of those families is called an army because you join the army and you've got the brotherhood of the barracks mm-hmm. and the commanding officer's kind of father figure. Well, that's one kind of, of, of family. Another kind of family is a gang where your brother gang members are, are your, you know, your brothers, and then the gang leaders, a father figure. Uh, so there are all kinds of alternative families that form 
uh, some of which are dangerous to society at home and others of which are dangerous to China's neighbors abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very much afraid that where you have a, a male-dominated society like that, uh, which is not dominated in the right way, but, but just because you have this huge surplus of men wandering, all this excess testosterone wandering around, not channeled in the right direction, but in the wrong direction, uh, China is a danger to itself and, and its neighbors. Yeah. And in the Korean War, uh, the uh, American soldiers that were over there have uh, testified to just armies, waves of men because they have excess men. They, you know, men without shoes uh, just coming, just coming at you and just and they and they never stop because they have one point six billion people. And, you know, most more more far more males than females. Well, that, that's what happened in the Korean War. I lost an uncle there, and, and they had Chairman Mao, of course, the, the leader of, of the Chinese Communist Party for decades, died back in 1976, was one of the great mass murderers of human history. He killed mm-hmm. about 65 million Chinese. Mm-hmm. But during the Korean War, he had a lot of surrendered troops from Chiang Kai-shek's army uh, who had thrown down their weapons and said, you know, we give up. Well, he kept them in the army, and he used them. Uh, for the human wave attacks in Korea. It was a great way of getting rid of his enemies mm-hmm. to let the Americans kill them. Yeah. So those troops he didn't trust, he sent them into battle with nothing but you know, I mean, cloth shoes or barefoot mm-hmm. uh, with, with three bullets for their guns. And, and they were slaughtered in, in, in large numbers. Of course, the American, the Americans and the Allied forces were simply overrun. Yeah, yeah. And so now here we have uh, Donald Trump, who I think is a man's man, who... While, you know, maybe doesn't have military training, uh, certainly understands man on man dynamics in a highly, highly competitive environment. Now, how is Donald Trump viewed uh, by the Chinese versus, say, um, Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or um, John Kerry? Oh, well, here's the interesting thing. Uh, the Chinese think that uh, that Donald Trump is a master tactician. In fact, they see him as moving steadily from deal to deal. He gets as many concessions as he can on trade with South Korea, signs an agreement, moves on to Canada and Mexico, gets the best agreement he can, moves on to the next deal, and and you know he so he's winning on 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 trade deal one after another. But they don't see him as just winning on trade deals. They see him as strategic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's pressuring China, not just on the economic front, not just on trade because they're cheating on trade, but on the military front, he's saying, you don't own the South China Sea. Our ships can go wherever they, they want to sail. He's challenging them on the ideological front as well. Uh, they think they, they, they're afraid that his goal is not just to, to fix the trade deficit, to stop the hemorrhage of jobs and factories to China, but to eliminate the threat of China altogether. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they've really been set on the heels by an American Donald Trump, who quotes uh, their their own ancient strategist, Sun Tzu, who said the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. Mm-hmm. Well, Donald Trump is subduing the enemy without fighting. <laughs> and last week, last week, I had to laugh because he was asked when he announced the new trade agreement with Canada and Mexico, which is a great thing for American workers. Uh-huh. Uh, they said, are you ready to deal with China? And he said, no, they want to come to the table. But he said, I don't think they're ready yet. And what he meant by that was China's not sufficiently beaten down. It's not sufficiently subdued. He's going to subdue them more before he gets a deal that's in 
that helps Americans. I love it. I love it. Look, I need to send President Trump a copy of uh, James Brown, Man's World. <laughs> this <laughs> guy, yeah. this guy really, uh, he, he gets it. Uh, you know, he, he gets it. Now, China is, um, China has been building up uh, islands in the South China Sea. And they, they have all their neighbors. They have South Korea. They have Japan. Uh, you know, they, they are threatening them, Japan. And um, he, he mentioned that perhaps they should nuke up. I think he mentioned that very, very early, either when he was running or very early. And, of course, the left wing went apoplectic, okay? Now, North Korea is nuked up, but North Korea is really like Hawaii is to America. It's, it's, it's the 50th state. It's, it's, it's the, I think it's de facto a part of China uh, just with the uh, excuse that they are their own country just in case they do something that China needs an excuse to say that's not us. I, am I overstating it? No, it, it, North Korea, it, it wouldn't exist if it, if it weren't for, uh, for China. Because, look, in the Korean War, uh, we had gone all the way to the border of China. We had we had taken all of North Korea, and and uh, and we had basically won the Korean War when the human wave, uh, the Chinese mm-hmm. troops poured over the Yalu River into North Korea and drove us back to the 38th parallel. So uh, you know the the uh, the founder of the little northern communist dictatorship in in the Korean Peninsula, uh, Kim Il Sung, owes his half kingdom. Uh, to the Chinese intervention. China's only ally around the world, its only ally that is bound by treaty to defend is North Korea. It has no other allies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and Trump has put so much pressure on China on the trade front that he's even gotten China's leader, the new Red Emperor, Xi Jinping, to agree to put sanctions on North Korea. He almost made North Korea into an enemy of China, which is an amazing thing. So, again, mm-hmm. that, that the Chinese think that the New York Post, uh, I mean, the New York Times and the Washington Post may not think that much of China's, uh, you know, tactics. But but the Chinese in Beijing think that he's a strategic genius mm-hmm. and that he's winning. And they've really been uh, they've really been set back by him. And Kim, you know, young Kim, uh, little rocket man, as we called him last year, <laughs> uh, was, uh, you know, is, is talking now. And, and the missiles have stopped flying over South Korea. They've stopped being launched over Japan. They've, we've, we haven't heard any threats to nuke Guam recently or the West Coast of the United States. So I think he's, he's uh, calmed the waters down mm-hmm. in, the, uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Western Pacific, and that's good for all of us. Yeah, yeah. But now every four generations in America, we, we go to war and we have a, a serious, serious crisis from, you know, the Revolutionary War, four generations later, the Civil War, four generations later, World War II. And right now we're four generations after World War II. And so if the pattern holds, there will be war. So share, well, first, do you, do you agree with that? Well, Brother Craig, I, I hope that's not true, and and I would point out that 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 President Reagan, uh, with for whom I wrote a couple of speeches, uh, was uh, was able to win the Cold War against the Soviet Union without, without firing, firing a, shot. a shot. Yeah, it happened under his his Vice President George Bush's watch, mm-hmm. um, but but it, it was set in motion by by 
by President Reagan. Why? Because he had a military buildup, which Trump is doing now. Mm-hmm. He put controls on technology transfer to the Soviet Union so they couldn't steal our our intellectual property, steal our weapons designs. Which, well, Clinton, we're do that with which China. Clinton took away. Yeah. 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 And, and, and the other thing he did was he said uh, to, to Western Europe, don't give the Soviet Union any more money. And so he cut off their money supply. Mm-hmm. Well, if we get tough on, on, on trade with China, which we're doing, we're cutting off the money supply to that yeah. government. So, so I see Trump as doing the same thing to China that Reagan did to the Soviet Union. And remember, we defeated the Soviet Union without firing a shot. The yeah. country dissolved. The Russians woke up to find half their country gone yeah. uh, in 1991. Uh, couldn't happen to a nicer group of communist thugs, in my view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, but now with Reagan, that was not four generations later. That was two generations after World War II. And so this, True. you know, as as things devolve is where you get to these points uh, where you have crisis because you have to have not only, uh, you have to have three types of crisis, moral crisis, financial crisis, and military crisis. And when, and because things get weak, and so the will uh, breaks down, and 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 the the inevitable result it seems is is warfare. Now, China, you write invented totalitarianism. So, share with the audience. Let's and I'm I'm with you now. I hope we don't have to go to war with China, but they would be a very formidable force. If we had to, I mean, in World War II, we had to fight three industrialized nations, China um, and uh, Italy and Germany. And we had to make a deal with the devil, the uh, Soviet Union, in order to be able, or Russia at the time, Mm -hmm. in order to be able to accomplish that. So now if we hear, and again, we're four generations later. So what is it about China? I mean, this is a a place that has a history that's much, much older than ours. And uh, they view, I think, being communists and atheists, they view power as a zero-sum game. Us, being capitalists and Christian, we understand with the concept of synergy that one plus one equals three. They, They don't understand that, or am I overstating it? No, China is a civilization that grew up entirely outside the influence of Christianity, and Christianity has made an enormous difference in the West, as we know. Uh, and and people who who haven't lived in cultures uninfluenced by Christianity don't see, because they grew up in this culture, how much of a difference Christianity makes. Uh, we have in China a civilization that arose on the basis of of, of pure lust for power. Uh, we had in China 221 years before the birth of Christ, the first Chinese dynasty, the Qin dynasty, and they had a secret police. They had political commissars in the military. They had control of the economy, control of weapons. You couldn't own a weapon if you were an ordinary person in China. They had a standing army. They had concentration camps. Uh, The concentration camp inmates built the Great Wall and the Great Canals of China. They had everything that we associate with modern communism, uh, state ideology, song and dance troops going around the country singing the praises of the supreme leader, the emperor. Uh, Everything we associate with Marxist-Leninism, everything we see in Cuba and Venezuela and China today was actually invented in China over 2,000 years ago. And there's no respect for human rights. Mm. The people are just the masses. The people are just sheep. That's why the population control policy was put in place. 
because the Communist Party decided there were too many people. Mm. And so they just eliminated 400 million of their own number. Now they've decided, Brother Craig, that there are too few people. Mm. And they've been telling young women, you must have two children. So we're going from, from forced abortion. Now we're seeing the beginning of forced pregnancy in China. Why? Because the Chinese Communist Party thinned the herd, you know, too much. And mm. now they've got to build the herd back up. And I use the herd analogy deliberately because the party regards the people as just the masses as just a mass of of of, of uh, productive force to be mobilized and used and controlled in whatever way they want mm-hmm. yeah and some other things about uh china i'd like you to share with the audience the uh the superiority that they have uh you know the uh racism is like the big bugaboo even in america is fake racism but share the the real uh race uh, beliefs of China and their attitudes of superiority. Well, here's what here's what the new Red Emperor Xi Jinping, the head of the Communist Party and the head of the military and the head of the government, all roads lead to Xi Jinping. Uh, the new Red Emperor wants to unify the Chinese people. He wants to make them all into good obedient Chinese. Well, what does that mean for China's 52 minorities? Mm-hmm. What does it mean for the that the Turks in, in Western Turkestan, we now call it Xinjiang, but mm-hmm. they speak Turkish, uh, they're, they're Muslim, uh, they're not Chinese. Well, they're being herded into re-education camps where they're forced to learn Chinese. They're forced to sing songs of praise to the new Red Emperor, Xi Jinping. They're told to shave off their beards and change their names to Chinese names, to get rid of their Arabic names, to get rid of their Turkish names. This is forced uh, assimilation forced re-education, forced what we call sinicization, right, to make them into good, obedient Chinese. And that's happening in Tibet to the Tibetans. It's happening, uh, of course, to Christians all over China because uh, the Chinese Communist Party is suspicious of Christians because mm-hmm. their first loyalties, our first loyalties to God, mm-hmm. not to the government. And, and the government wants the first loyalty to be to the party and to the party leader, the new Red Emperor Xi Jinping. So, uh, you know, this is this is a race-based, a, a a a an ethnic-based sort of race consciousness that the Chinese leadership is trying to create among all people living in China mm-hmm. in order to make them all obedient to the Chinese state. Um, yeah, and it's 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 overtly race-based. Everybody in China is said to be the descendant of somebody called the Yellow Emperor who lived five thousand years ago. Everybody is said to be his descendant. Now, some of the Chinese are clearly his descendant, uh, if he ever really existed. But the Tibetans aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mongols aren't. The Manchus aren't. The, the Turks aren't. And yet they're all told that their ancestor, their direct ancestor, um, genetically speaking, is the Yellow Emperor. So we're all really Chinese. We should all be proud to be members of the Chinese race. Um, yeah, it's it's a scary thing. It reminds me of, of the kind of race-based arguments that we heard in, from Hitler's uh, Nazi party in the 1930s. Yeah, yeah. And if you're just joining us, folks, we have with us Stephen Mosher, and we're discussing uh, China. He's written many, many books, but his latest is The Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. And, uh, you know, this, um, the ideas of um the people that want to destroy America ideologically by saying America is uh, was built imperfectly because uh, you you pick the reason whether it's slavery or whether 
Uh, there used to be native people that lived here. Where in China, they what they call uniting China, that was these were separate uh, countries, were they not? And and that was quote unquote united by warfare. And so, why is this never said? Yeah, well, China China's an empire. It, it's an ancient empire that survived into the modern age. And I'll tell you what, empires have no natural borders. They expand uh, to the limit of their strength. And as China gets stronger, mm-hmm. it is expanding. That's why it's expanding into the South China Sea. You know, people, a lot of people don't know where the South China Sea is, but just imagine this. Imagine if the United States tomorrow were to declare that the entire Caribbean, Haiti, uh, Cuba, uh, all the islands in the Caribbean belonged to the United States and had for the last 2,000 years. And, and furthermore, we said we were going to use military force to, to, create, to create military outposts on those islands and make sure nobody else went there without our permission. That's what China is doing in the South China Sea. It's taking a body of water the size of the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean, and it's even worse than that because they're taking these sandbars, mm-hmm. uh, these rock formations that are underwater at high tide. They're not even islands. And they're creating artificial islands by pouring thousands and thousands of tons of concrete on top of them, killing the coral reefs in the process, and building up military bases, including airfields and, and rocket launchers and, and, and ships for na- uh, ports for naval vessels. They're preparing for war. They're preparing for war. And, and all of the surrounding countries, China's a thousand miles away from the South China Sea. Vietnam is right next door. The Philippines, Malaysia, uh, you know, all of these countries are right around the South China Sea. And China says, nope, it's not yours. It's ours. Yeah, and yeah. the United States is saying, stop, you can't do that. And does that include the Straits of Malacca? Well, the Straits of Malacca, uh, you know, it's one of the great uh, naval choke points uh, in the world. Uh, like the Panama Canal, yeah. uh, it enables you to get from uh, the Indian Ocean into the Pacific, and uh, they'd like to control the Straits of Malacca. They're building a string of military bases. They call it the String of Pearls all the way around South Asia, uh, from Pakistan to Sri Lanka to Djibouti and Africa, uh, because they want to control the sea routes. And we believe in, in um, you know freedom of navigation. That mm-hmm. means we sail wherever we want, whenever we want. And, yeah, you control what happens within 12 miles of your coast, but you get further away than that, anybody can sail wherever they want. China yeah. says, no, we own that ocean. You can't go there without our permission. Wow. And see, and, and you have uh, protesters in this nation that call America evil. And here we will say we want 12 miles. China says we want 1,000 miles. We want 12, yeah, yeah, 1,000 plus miles all wow. the way down from from South China all the way down to Indonesia, they say that's all our water, and it's all open ocean. It's yeah. blue water. Yeah, we've yeah. always sailed. The people have always sailed there, unhindered throughout the centuries. And now China on the march. China's on the march. It says no, that we own that. Well, thank God we have a real man in the White House. <laughs> you know what's up? What's next for you? Tell folks how to get your book, how to reach out to you in any other ways, and uh, if you have any uh, other books or events coming up soon. Well, uh, the book is called Bully of Asia. Uh, the bully of Asia is China. China is the biggest bully in the world. Uh, it's, it's a story of why China's dream of world domination is a threat to the United States and, and, and to the rest of the world. Uh, fortunately, you know, I mean, you get the book online. You can get the book from our website, pop.org. That's P-O-P dot O-R-G, pop.org. 
Uh, fortunately, we uh, God smiles upon the United States, and I think we had a miracle in November of 2016 because Amen. we had a man elected to the presidency who is not going to let America come in second. Hmm. And uh, that's good for all of us, our children and grandchildren. Amen. That's my big thing, the grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to help your grandchildren now, folks. It's too late after we all check out. <laughs> but thank you right. so much uh, for joining us. Uh, thank you. Yeah, God bless you. And you. All right. Bye now.